0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of A24 on the Rocks. I'm your host this week, Blaze Fitzgerald Ryan the First, and tonight I am drinking a combination of Coors Light on the Rocks, because it was on sale, remember those sales kids, and water. Um next to my bottom
1: is Hi, my name is Cole William Whitlaw Gibson. Tonight I am drinking Sipping Saint. Bloody Mary Moonshine, made by Burnt Church Distillery. And up next we have...
2: That sounds delicious. Today, my name is Kelly, just as it has been every single day up to today. (laughs) I am drinking a drink that I'm going to let Eric explain.
3: Hi, my name is Eric, uh, and I'm drinking a Nordic Summer, uh, which is made with Norden Aquavit, uh, Aperol Spritz, or no, just Aperol, sorry, and Lime Juice. And uh, we just got back from Norway. So uh, we are drinking some we'll Aquavit. Just a little bit of a flex there. Up next, we have our guest.
1: Oh, um,
4: I, I'm Caitlin. I am Blaze's sister. Um, I'm drinking Yesway Rose. And it was delivered at Uber Eats.
0: woo Very fancy.
2: Sponsorship.
0: uber eats i'll take it uh, so before we get into the, this week's movie uh i wanted to uh discuss with our guest, my sister the aforementioned caitlin aaron ryan so we always like to use our full names <laughs> i do um, so uh caitlin please let me know what you uh know about a24 as a a24 as a production company uh the movies that you like by them General movies that you do like, and what's your relationship with movies? I
4: love Obvious Child. I didn't realize that it was an A24 movie. Then Summer was cool. What was the last one they did? The North. Oh, Zola! Zola was great. Really was just so excited to see a movie based off text message or uh, Twitters.
0: And so do you have any background in film or anything like that?
4: Do I? I am an experimental filmmaker. Currently, I shoot on 16 mil with my bolex. Uh, I'm currently working on a project about being Irish and an Irish dancer for a really long time. Um, So slowly making my way through that. But film's expensive, so you know.
0: (laughs) Ain't that the truth. Well, maybe we'll see at sundance one day
4: Too underground for that
0: <laughs> the movie that we're reviewing tonight is a 2014 film called obvious child written and directed by gillian rogues pierre which is a last name i am in love with it started out as a short film and then they eventually turned it into a feature-length film which premiered at sundance and because of its popularity it uh got a full theater release in june of 2014 the quick elevator pitch about this movie is it's all about a young struggling stand-up comic named donna played by uh, jenny slate and it's basically moment after moment of car crashes in her life that happen and how she deals with it you know starts out with getting dumped and all the way up to the big uh controversial issue of the movie that i'm sure we'll get into shortly so i wanted to start off with the beginning of the film like we usually do This is uh technically a romantic comedy so it kind of doesn't have the same i mean there's there's cool things about the script and everything like that but as far as like deep themes i'd i'd rather keep this like off the cuff you know not so many like direct questions but as we always do start out with we talk about the beginning of the film and this is a very different beginning of the film than we've had in any of the other movies that we've reviewed so far it starts up with a stand-up set in a dreary Brooklyn bar. I've never been to New York City, but I can imagine that's what a lot of comedy clubs look there. So, Jenny Slate, the infamous Jenny Slate, who got fired from SNL, does a whole rip about her discharge, (laughs) would be the best way to put it. Uh, And then about her uh, bedroom problems with her boyfriend. So, I'm gonna open the floor with Eric. Eric, what'd you think about this opening where it was just a stand-up skit?
3: Um, See, for me, it's, it felt very forced, like uh, a lot of forced humor at the start. Um, when I watch stand-up, I kind of have to be in a whole, like, mood and ambiance to, like, watch and even see stand-up, too. Um, and setting that floor, that makes me laugh a lot more, I think. And so, you know, I went into this movie, you know, thinking it's a movie about abortion, and, you know, we start out with a stand-up skit. And so, I don't know, it, I didn't laugh much. That's, you know, I felt very forced,
0: so... Okay. Uh, Kelly, same question?
2: Yeah, it would be same for me. I just found it to be like I'm supposed to be laughing, but it was unfunny to me, which then makes me feel like I'm missing out on something or like I'm not getting what I'm supposed to be getting out of it. And that's an interesting way to be introduced into a film where I'm immediately a little bit like standoffish about it. Uh, I found it a little bit painfully unfunny and forced the kinds of jokes that she made both at the beginning and continues throughout the film. It wasn't my kind of humor and it was pretty constant. So that was my first impression.
0: Okay. That's very fair. Cole, um, what did you think of the beginning? And then uh, what d- did it set a tone for the character played by Jenny Slade? Whose name is Donna, by the way. I'm gonna yes. So uh, I definitely,
1: uh, the start of the movie was 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 interesting and rough and like I had the same thing that Eric and Kelly just said about uh, the, the being thrown into the mix and like uh, the humor and stuff just didn't land for me. But uh, once you got past that point and um, you know you really start learning who you know Donna is in Jenny Slate, you start understanding that's just like kind of her like almost coping mechanism and how she does her humor and that's how she. Releases a lot of the things that she, pet like holds up inside of her, and she wants to discuss. So I definitely start understanding her better. And then the the scene right after that, where she's in the bathroom, was pretty brutal. That was a pretty pretty hard scene uh, to watch in terms of just how terrible that dude was. Like fuck that guy. That was my first note. Was just he's an asshole. I don't, I don't fucking like this guy. I don't know. Why, I don't know what's going on. But uh, that was my first impression of that that startup.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know what? I have to say, kind of agree with uh, everyone so far. Caitlin, something that I liked about this film compared to other uh, romantic comedies that revolve around pregnancy—when uh, you think of like Knocked Up and Juno and stuff like that—they feel almost the worlds well, don't not seem.
4: To answer the first. Oh, one. I'm
0: sorry. Oh <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Caitlin, what did you feel about the opening stand-up? I gotta get. It. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: um i think it was meant to be awkward like i don't think it's supposed to be funny at all you know like it's kind of sense the tone of like she's failing or she feels like she's failing so it's like i don't think it's like necessarily like meant to be funny i think it's like you know she's in a really awkward place in her life and like maybe it's more of like More of a conceptual idea of not being funny, but maybe more, like, empathetic, because you kind of feel bad for her.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, it kind of makes sense because her whole life comes crashing down immediately afterwards when her boyfriend... Does he say that? Was it like he said he cheated on her? Like, I didn't really understand it. Was it a trouble? Oh, he, he was yeah, giving I got her a, a lot of, like, bullshit answers first. but Yeah,
1: yeah. first, yeah, I, I really did not like that guy. That guy, he's, like, is breaking up with her, then says he's, like, cheating on her with another girl that they know. Mm-hmm. Also, like, the whole entire time is basically, like, blaming her for why he had to cheat on her, because, uh, and then, like... Saying that, you know, he's breaking up with her because you talked about our sex life on your stand-up. And it's like, dude, you fucking cheated on her. And then are like, trying to blame her for cheating on her with this other girl. And I'm like, this guy, fuck this guy. So, really made me mad right off the bat. <laughs> but, yeah, he cheated on her. It was a weird situation.
0: Well, that's kind of an interesting point. Uh How would you guys feel if you're significant other was a stand-up comedian or someone in the public light and they talked about stuff that maybe you didn't want them to talk about uh would that be something that would you know cause you to maybe maybe not act the exact same way but maybe feel that resentment and
3: shame i think i'd know what i was getting into uh if i was gonna start dating a stand-up comic
2: that's what i was gonna (laughs) say is you really gotta know yourself and what you're comfortable with before you Pursue a relationship with somebody who you know does that for a living. Uh, for mm. me, it, I wouldn't be able to do that at all. Uh, for other people, though, you just got to be able to deal with that kind of situation.
0: I like that. I yeah, like. You
4: that. have to be very okay with public and private. Mm. But I feel like when you're in that sort of situation, like it depends, right? It's like I think if you're thinking about like more traditional stand-up, that's all up for grabs.
0: You know? Yeah. You you should write a uh, consent form first or, <laughs> like, what you guys, uh, like, you know, I don't know. I'd be on my know. best behavior if I dated a comic. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I
3: I would just accept that, hey, parts of me are going to be uh, used probably in the stand-up set, like, and I think it would be unfair to ask a stand-up comic to not use things from uh, their personal life, so...
1: Well, yeah, and I think I think you need to have the mindset of what they, everyone should have a mindset for comedians is like that person's out there to tell a joke and entertain people. Like mm-hmm. everything they say is is not with like ill you know intent or anything like that. Like they're there they're to tell jokes and entertain people, and you know if you're gonna date someone, you need to understand that they're not it's not like they're not taking direct jabs at you to try and belittle you or at least you hope not or at least like good comedians and good comics don't do that they're not you know attacking an individual or group of people but a lot yeah. of people take comics way too they're uh, constantly at, attacking at, groups of down. people. <laughs> yeah but it's like in a in an it's like there's not like a, a malicious intent though right like they're doing it Sometimes to entertain these, people. But, yeah. Well, okay, I guess I we could know, all if, be
4: like, Chris Rock. James I Paul guess attacking trans people is like yeah. cool, but you
2: know that, that <laughs> right. happens. Yeah, I think different people. Fair enough. Yeah. Different strokes for different comments. I guess like, we'll all just be Will
1: Smith with- and go smack people around then. <laughs>
2: To go with what you're uh. saying, though, Cole, it's very obvious by her reaction to his reaction of her making jokes about that kind of stuff is that she wasn't trying to hurt him or anything. And she obviously cared about him a whole lot and then has a really difficult time with the breakup. So it's not like she. Yeah, that's I agree with you that it's it wasn't coming out of malicious intent on as her as a comic. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then to piggyback off of that, I do think that her uh her comedy throughout the film, at least as a stand-up comic, and then even within the film, a lot of her comedy comes from her own vulnerabilities. Her steadiness uh to handle life's issues uh with a punchline, which is a lot where a lot of us um, try to get through life is, I feel. So yeah, I think maybe he should have uh taken it like a man, or um, you know, if he had a serious problem with her talking about their sex life, maybe You know, cheating on her isn't the answer. Um, taking
4: it like a man.
0: (laughs) Um, you know, uh, just taking it on the chin. You know, letting it roll off him. You know, I guess we're talking about every amendment along the way to the Fourteenth on this episode. So
2: we
4: could have just (laughs) set water off a duck's back. You know.
0: Okay, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to gender it. I I, I did enjoy the brother sister banter. I know this this is awesome. I'm really trying to walk the straight and narrow. Um, sorry, I said straight. Oh, fuck. Uh, um, <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, my, back to my previous question about where uh, where I compare this to other uh, romantic comedies uh, where pregnancy isn't involved. I want to talk to you guys about uh, the realism, especially that uh, beginning breakup scene. Um, I feel like in movies in Juno and Knocked Up, like the breakup scene happens like halfway through the film and it's pretty easily remedied by the end you know by uh some sort of deus ex machina but uh for donna it really seems like i think we've all been through breakups here and i really feel like she goes through all five stages of grief in a short amount of time so i just wanted to let wanted to ask you guys about how real this movie felt as far as you know a lived-in world i guess does anyone have a comment on that or agree disagree uh
1: yeah i mean i i I think this movie was a pretty good like slice of life like more of a reality type film about just kind of the breakup and the drama obviously things are always dramatized and stuff especially when you get the comedian thrown in the mix but i thought it was uh much more of a realistic portrayal of a lot of the bullshit that you deal with especially during breakups and stuff and it wasn't just you know instantly everything's better and, you know, this guy's perfect and we're going to fall in love and go ride off in the sunset and stuff. I think it was just, like, a more realistic approach of this woman's going through a lot and, like, this this guy that shows up and he seems like he could be good for her, but obviously she's got a lot of things she's got to work through first before of you know, they, they can you know move on to that
3: yeah I was gonna say um, after the first initial stand up scene uh, when we started getting more into her, her character and like who she is I got you know a lot more interested in the film I liked her as a character there was one thing that was extremely unrealistic though uh, $500 a month for rent in Brooklyn even in 2014 <laughs> get the fuck out <laughs> Well, yeah, I got I got some some other
1: things that I got uh, yeah. a problem with on the the realism.
3: <laughs> well, no, I, I do feel like she was a realistic character, and this was a realistic portrayal of the what one person, one woman might go through uh, to decide to get an abortion.
2: As far as the realism of like the breakup goes and her reaction to it, um, I thought that the. Relationship with her friend coming over to check on her and like offering to like cuddle with her and stay the night over in like her bed. Like that was pretty realistic of how you might console one of your girlfriends if she was really going through it. As well as I got a big kick out of her standing outside of his house, that scene where she's sitting there and she's saying, if they cross the street and my third sip. And I was, I was like, I think that that's very realistic. And I like that they portrayed that of this feeling of like you're just lost and you're looking for anything to kind of like convince you to do one thing or the other. I got a kick out of all that kind of stuff. I think they did a good job with the the craziness that you can feel when the rug is kind of swept out from under your feet.
0: Caitlin, do you want to weigh in on that? I I didn't want to move on without your permission.
2: You want me to get real controversial real quick? (laughs)
0: Let's do it.
4: As someone who's had an abortion, it's the realest thing I've ever seen on a movie before and it's just so touching and so close to real life of going through it. I mean, of course it's a movie, right? But like to see Mm -hmm. someone represented like that and making the right decision for their lives, like I just thought it's such an incredible portrayal because like you kind of see the ebbs and flows of the emotion like, you know, and like you see her support system. We don't have to skip forward to the end to talk about it, but um, I just think it's like one of the realest movies I've ever seen. I also feel that way about Juno. I think like in my line of politics and being pro-choice, like in the film Obvious Child, it shows the depiction of like a woman who's like totally unready to have a baby and like is so lost. And that's the only thing that makes sense to her. And with Juno, it's like, it's much more, you see like much more of a domestic life where you don't Mm -hmm. see a domestic life at all in Obvious Child. It's like, she's go, 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 go. And I think those are like two interesting movies to compare to because like a lot of movies or like TV shows, like something like The Secret Lives of American Teenagers was definitely like, uh, pro-life propaganda, where it's like they set up these decisions, and then it's sort of like what's great is like in the realm of cinematic history, a woman gets pregnant, the whole movie surrounds the pregnancy, and then it's like this journey, and like we've seen it a thousand times. And what I think so great about *Obvious Child* is that like it breaks a lot of tropes, um, yes, and like you can still have the same journey in decision making. And I just think it's really groundbreaking in that way.
0: Yeah, Cole?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, going off of what you just said, the whole time I'm watching this movie and they're talking about the abortion and they're like building up to it on Valentine's Day and everything, the whole entire time, in the back of my mind, I'm like – Something, some bullshit thing's going to happen where, like, the guy's going to swoop in. He's going to change her mind. They're going to end up not getting the abortion. And it'll be like, oh, thank God we didn't get the abortion. We wanted this child. You know, I wanted to be a grandfather, all this bullshit. But then, you know, thank God they stuck to it. And they actually went through with what, you know, is the right decision for her at that time in her life. And I I was, like, almost, like, uh, relieved (laughs) at the end when they went through with the abortion. Because I was like, thank you. Like, finally a film that isn't about, you know, someone getting pregnant at the wrong time and it's like them working through it and then it'll be perfect at the end because we decided to keep the child and we have a great life and yada yada. It's like that's not that's not the real world. That's not how life works. So I was
0: very um
1: it was nice to see that I guess portrayed in
0: that film. Well, yeah, and exactly because like when uh Caitlin compares it to Juno very aptly and then uh mm-hmm. it knocked, up, it knocked up. and knocked up uh likewise it feels like the the opposite uh happens in obvious child where two people that clearly aren't ready to have a kid they somehow pull it out of their ass in the last 20 minutes that they're ready they gloss over abortion uh, i believe they call it a smush um and then they kind of just gloss over and they plan on having the kid and caitlin you're 100 percent right They are they do a really good job at setting up donna's life that she has a roommate she uh the greatest bookstore of all time. Hold on. It's called Unoppressive, <laughs> Non-Imperialist Books, which I thought was one of the greatest. The best. <laughs> that was that was like that made me laugh a lot. Like good. Um but yeah, uh, she she's losing her job. Her parents are successful and supportive, but it doesn't seem like they like constantly send her money. They kind of like let her out on her own, the kind of the same way that our mom did for us. So I really feel like it's someone who's never been in the uh position where i've uh, had a partner who had an abortion or considered it i feel like it really puts me in the shoes of someone who makes it as a serious life choice and not as you know the propaganda wheels tells us that you know it's murdering babies no it's you know it's actually the complete opposite and just like cole i think that the white christian frat guy who's a business uh in business school and their mom's favorite student you know i really felt like it was setting itself up to just be another movie where abortion is you know talked about but it never goes through so i'm really glad that they did it and they did it with style and grace and a little bit of comedy so um yeah does anyone else since we're already jumping in on this and i not think
4: they did it. did it with grace though like i think that decision's so messy and that's what i liked about it and where like all these other movies they're like so less messy and like
0: you no, know, no
4: I, I kind of like appreciated like the realness of it
0: i i didn't mean grace in that sense i meant the grace uh that they gave the subject yeah,
3: okay.
0: you know no it was sloppy and ugly but um yeah so and- his life <laughs> Eric and Kelly, what are your thoughts on abortion? And Eric, why are you happy Roe v. Wade got turned No, I'm just kidding. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just uh, nice.
3: I'm, a, I'm very pro-choice, um, and yeah. I think it's a woman's decision. It's her body. And this movie did a great job of showing that, you know, people don't just get abortions like they're uh, ordering breakfast. You know, that it's actually a big decision, and there's a lot that goes into it. If you're at the wrong point in your life, you can't take care of a child, you can't, you know, financially support it, or, you know, you're just not ready for a child, this should be your option, you know? It, it's just very simple. I, I mean, like, if a pro-life person's listening to this podcast, I'm not going to go through like a, a through Z reasons of uh, why they should be pro-choice, because I'm probably never going to change their mind, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pro-choice, and yeah.
2: I was pro-life, and then I listened to an episode of a movie podcast. Here's my story. Yeah, no shit. Stranger things have happened.
0: And the weird thing, they were drinking. Right. (laughs) So, Kelly, you want to weigh in on the abortion talk? I know this was the... uh the shadow hanging over one everyone's had. I tried to wait till later, but Caitlin really wanted to bust it open. So.
2: <laughs> well, Caitlin made a great point of where she is in her life and the kind of life that she's living. And they definitely center us in her world and what kind of decision someone like that would make. And that's the whole thing is it is her choice and it is every woman's choice. Not to stand on a soapbox here, but the way that they even kind of just show her immediately, she knows what she's going to do. But she still has to, like, live with that. You know, she still has to wait it out until she can even get a procedure done. She has to set this time aside to do so. She has to find the money to do so. It's all compounding. And I'm glad that they uh, shed light on all of that kind of experience. Um, And it's like what you said, Blaze. It's done with, it's done gently. Like, it's not a gentle subject in any way. But they do it with so much care that it is really nice to see. Um, and they don't sugarcoat it, nor do they, like, over dramaticize it, you know, for entertainment value or something. Like, they're, they, the, the way that they handled it, I think, uh, is really respectful, and I appreciated it a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's something that's almost, like, sweet to it. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's a romantic comedy. I think that was kind of the, the point of it, right? Anyways, um, my... Probably my favorite scene in the entire movie was when they were getting lunch um, after he dropped off the uh, book at her mom's house, which, again, kind of, I said it was guided realism, but that's kind of weird that she just happens to be his, uh, her mom happens to be his teacher. (laughs) But they go to the restaurant and she plans on telling uh, him that he's, she's getting an abortion. There's a couple of roadblocks, you know, she doesn't know how to say it. My favorite line in the movie was she's looking herself in the mirror and she goes, uh, "Can I have an abortion and then dessert? Can I have your abortion and then split dessert?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun. was
1: a good scene. I was
0: literally, point. I had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard. Uh, yeah. And then, she, then she comes back out of the bathroom and she sees the old people, and he tells the story about you know how sweet they were, and he wanted to be a grandfather. So again, you guys can totally omit from answering this if you, it's your personal opinion, but. If any of you have either had an abortion or someone close to you has had an abortion, um, what was it like telling the people in your life? Was that, uh, again, back to realism, uh, is that kind of like the same awkwardness? Or was it more direct? Was it, you know, something you found out nine years later? I think we should let Caitlin go here.
4: Oh, no, let's reverse.
3: <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, well, personally, I, yeah, I, no one that I know in my life, uh, has had an abortion they haven't at least they haven't told me and you know that's their choice not to tell me so like yeah like i i don't know uh telling people i'm sure is a huge deal because it's a very personal choice and it's a uh, medical choice it's about your body so um you shouldn't have to tell anyone if you don't want to you know but if if you do then yeah i'm sure it's still it's a big deal for people that do you know okay. cole any 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 thoughts yeah uh i mean
1: i've i i've only i only know of one person a very uh, like a close friend of mine yeah i mean it's it's like eric says it's a medical thing like it's super i meant you know it's a very hard subject also you don't know how certain people will respond because of the way that they view the world and how it goes through their eyes and stuff and it is you know it's also a personal decision like this is this is your decision you have No reason to tell anyone if you don't want to. Like you don't have to tell anyone. But it is such a heavy thing that I know, you know, for myself, not not that I've ever had an abortion or anything like that, but other heavy things that, you know, you deal with. It's it's good to talk to your friends or good to talk to those people that you can trust and and care about and love and stuff like that. So but yeah, if I was in that situation where I was gonna get an abortion with the person that I had a one night stand with and we're out to lunch and at an italian restaurant it's like i don't know this person i have no idea what they're gonna do and like i don't know i don't i could i don't think i i could not do that i could i don't think i could tell them like no way especially if they're doing the whole old person and you tell them they pull a 180 yeah. and they're gonna fight you to you know the death for their child and stuff it's <laughs> like well man yeah, this is not this is not what. Especially this is all if about, uh, so. the
3: person like is going to business school, they seem more conservative. Like they're wearing slip ons. Yeah, I, I would be like, yeah. if I was in that situation, I don't know, I, I probably would guess that this guy might have some uh, thoughts uh, on the subject. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And he's never peed outside, so that was interesting. <laughs> he, oh, yeah, that... he farted the
3: first time he peed yeah. outside. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Talking about like not
0: realism,
1: guys never peed outside in his whole entire life. That's mind boggling. (laughs) Makes
4: zero, zero sense. sense. How many times I've peed outside. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: That's actually true. (laughs) Caitlin is a serial pisser.
4: Oh. It helps my plants with the pH balance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is fair. God, mo- Mother Earth. Doing, taking look for the team.
2: Uh, this, it was something that I don't feel comfortable talking about on a podcast for everybody.
1: Totally.
2: But I appreciate the thoughts and opinions of everyone uh, that is speaking with me right now.
4: Yeah. One second, I'm going to yell at my unaborted child. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well while she's yelling at her child uh i just want to talk about how uh the first time we meet max he's describing what he's doing for his job and he literally in 2014 is explaining what multiplayer video games are to people and that is that took me right out of this movie this movie fucking sucks video like multiplayer video games have existed since like the 90s or even the 80s and we're in 2014 and he's Talking about how this is brand new technology. I felt Trash that. I Pack felt that. and r- a
2: frat bro, like salesman explanation yeah! of what, what I do for a living. You heard a you ever heard of gaming?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know when you talk to a person on the phone, but you're doing that with video games from across and it's like that's multiplayer. It's this movie was made in two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. It does not claim to be made from like the eighties, so <laughs> Anyhow, now that you're back from your child, I was on my video game rant. I
4: lied; it wasn't it wasn't here yet. But yeah, I'm on board with that video game rant. That's, he was homeschooled, clearly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, guy, he's a special. Max is special.
0: Yeah. So my my roundabout broad question was basically about the. Uh, the scene at the restaurant where she really wants to tell him that she's about to go through with an abortion in a week or so, and how um, how the movie is based in reality and about like real people, real lives, real experiences. And my big, broad, general question was: if you have gone through something like that, was is it you know is it something that it's awkward or is it something you can freely say? Is it something that you wouldn't tell? the person for nine years et cetera et cetera like uh, was her response based in reality what's how's that
2: yeah
4: i mean it's such a hard thing to get out of your mouth and a hard thing to say and then you have to be ready for like that person's reception especially a one-night stand because like how much do you know about that person right me personally it took a while but then like once i once i saw her talking to more women about it i actively decided to be more vocal about it because statistics are one in four women have had one and like if they want to keep that to themselves I totally respect that like I have the utmost respect and because it's a hard decision it's you know it's not easy going through like having a baby or having an abortion I've done both it's so traumatic on your body and uh, you know it's hard I actually, when, you know, things started, the papers leaked recently from the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. I posted on my Instagram. I was just like, hey, like, if, you know, if you want to share your story, share it. And, like, I've had so many, like, women text me, like, and some said they could share the story and some said they couldn't. Like, one of my friends who was a dude, he, like drove three of his friends to go get an abortion just so they could go to college. Um, another one is pregnant now, but had to like, had an abortion so she could go to grad school. There's all these like different situations. I think like I just decided to become more vocal about it because like one of my very close friends that I've grown up with is like more on the conservative side and we have like very like long dialogues. Um, where we can talk about these things and it's like you know sometimes it's me on one end getting misinformation not specifically about abortion but it's like you know one time we had this like really long talk about abortion and then like I told her all the facts I knew and then like just to balance that out I remember we were standing in line at the farmer's market and they were like abolish police and I was like hell yeah (laughs) and then she was like read the thing and she's like, oh, I would have signed it, but they didn't have a plan. And I was like, oh, you're right. So it's, like, this ebb and flood. I think I'm just, like, really grateful for a relationship like that. And, like, so many people shout at each other. And I just, like, at the end of the day, like, I know, like, I am pro-choice and, like, very, like, liberal. But I still keep people around me that don't agree with me because they might change my mind and I might change their mind and I think that's really important. And that's what I kind of like about the movie Obvious Child is that like it's a very sweet message in that way and I would love to see a double feature of Juno and Obvious Child like back to back. (laughs) I think that would make an incredible dialogue.
1: Yeah. I really like that Juno comparison. I think that's a pretty good spot-on one.
4: I also, like, for example, like, I have a t-shirt that says thank God for abortion with, like, a dove flying out. And (laughs) I also follow, like, Catholics for pro-choice. And, like, I've been really active with that just because it's, like, you know. Because abortion, like, statistically didn't even start until the 1600s when it started being illegal. Um, That's because so many popes were fucking and they needed to handle the situation.
2: Jeez. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened.
0: Hey, Pope's got to play, baby. Pope's got to play. <laughs> Jeez. So uh, this Conversation pope is to
4: me having with my brother. Uh, right.
0: <laughs> Do
3: you think a Pope has ever had sex in the Pope mobile? Of course.
4: Absolutely. Hope so.
3: Oh, <laughs> did you say
4: I hope so
3: Nope, she said <laughs> it doesn't I pope sound so. like
2: so <laughs> I hope so I sure hope so <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, ten Hail Marys for all of you after
3: this Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck I did grow up Catholic, sorry yeah. Pope Us too Da-da-da. Me and Caitlin both grew up Catholic
4: Oh uh, years <laughs> Yep
1: Catholic school I was confirmed,
3: oh. I, well I did not go to Catholic school though I just went to uh, catechism But yeah anyway
0: obvious child (laughs) Uh, yes thank you caitlin thank you for the very heartfelt answer i appreciate Mm -hmm. that time for another realistic unrealistic part of the movie in my opinion uh where you have divorced parents and they're both the good guy they're both very supportive in everything that she does from her stand-up career to her life choices and then when she brings up abortion especially to her mother that was again one of those moments where in another film I think the mom would have turned into, like, the bad guy. Um, At least that's what I thought it was going towards, because there's a whole big scene where she was in a cab, and, you know, she's on the verge of tears because she's so, you know, so lost that she goes to her mom, and I thought that was going to, like, be a catalyst. But her mom ends up telling her a story about her own abortion that I really didn't understand, (laughs) because I, I did she live, like... Why was there, like, 12 people? Around? Did she go to a clinic? Because it was in the 60s.
3: Well, Donna said later it was, um, it was because her bush was so big. That's why she had to do it on a kitchen table.
0: Also, <laughs> <laughs> let's
4: not say good guy or bad guy, because I think that, like, that discounts people that are pro-choice that lean towards pro-life.
0: Well, I was just saying within the context of the movie, uh, I wasn't saying, you know, uh, an antagonist versus protagonist. Same same difference. I wasn't saying because what person believes one
2: black and white verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I know what you're um, saying though, Blaze. Like a lot of the times when there's divorced parents in a movie, you have the good the good parent, the supportive, cool, fun parent who lets you do what you want, and then you have the strict one. I definitely thought that in this film, the mom was going to be that way because she was like, Johnny on the spot. Like, here's, I I couldn't sleep last night, darling. So I wrote down all of these life plans for you and looked at your finances. So I found it really heartwarming when uh, Donna does finally come to her and tell her what's going on. And it is such a great mother daughter moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And they finally, because the mom, like, blew her off quite a bit. Maybe twice before that uh, when she tries to get close to her. So you think maybe something like that will happen again or she's just going to shoo her away. So the fact that they include that good because we had a lot of good bonding like with her friends and with her circle supporting her. It was good to see Mm -hmm. family support Mm -hmm. as well. And I know that that wouldn't be realistic for everybody in her shoes. I'm glad that they included it because it is it was a really heartwarming moment. Ellie, you're
4: so good at breaking it down.
2: That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to also say, like, just to throw that out, too, that is a really healing moment for somebody who might have gone through a similar situation who couldn't have that kind of moment with their parents um, yeah. or with even just one parent. Um, so I think that that is kind of, like, another thing of handling it with respect and care, as we were saying as well, of we'll we'll give this to you, like, and maybe you can live through this little moment on the screen.
3: Yeah. I I do think the character of the mom was realistic. Like uh, she, Mm -hmm. you know, was kind of the nagging intrusive parent, you know, for most of the film. And then that uh, scene where she talked to her mom about having an abortion, you know, uh, I mean, she is in the end, she's a professor in New York city. It would make sense that she's pro choice and everything, you know, but like, uh, like I, I liked that was such a touching moment. Probably the best, part of the film I think uh was her uh conversation with her mom
0: yep that was very good. next I want to talk about just because he's in the movie David Cross so this movie automatically gets the half a grade bump for being a Mr. Show <laughs> alum David thank you Carl <laughs> thank you Carl <laughs> awesome. love it um uh, we, we uh, Caitlin you didn't know this probably but there's a movie that we watched called Spectacular Now and uh Bob Odenkirk was in it mm. and so I gave it the first a um movie of this whole series.
4: <laughs> Full disclosure when I saw, did you guys see Little Women?
1: Yes. Yep. hmm
4: So, like, very serious, serious. And then Bob Oldenkirk comes and is the dad. And I lost my shit laughing <laughs> in the theater because I was just like, no!
1: Yeah. That was <laughs> <to> my
3: dad! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever since like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, even though he was like comedic a bit in those uh T V shows, I feel like people have looked at him a whole in a whole different light. Like I think he can play those serious roles now. But it's what's still like, funny uh, to see him like that though. Yeah. Oh, what's <laughs> that
1: one um well he, he even did like a John Stuck Wick film called Mr. or what Nobody or whatever and he killed it. He was like he got ripped and was like murking yeah. people in like a crazy action film and I'm like what is Bob Odenkirk doing right now? He's okay. shooting people in the face.
0: Yeah. I know we're not this I know not we're not what talking I'm about I know we're not talking about Bob Odenkirk, but quick aside, I watched a comedy bang bang where he was promoting nobody and the only reason why he did it is because the Chinese market does not identify him as a comedian. They only identify him as a dramatic actor. So yeah. it, what <laughs> they said if you're going to be a star in a movie, it's got to be an action movie. And that's why Bob Odenkirk, <laughs> I mean, Yeah, He killed his... it. Anyways, David Cross plays a comedian that apparently made it out of the uh, slums of the, uh, the sold a pilot. stand-up yeah. slums. Sold the pilot. Uh, and then he invites uh, Donna back to a house that he's sitting. And then uh, apparently hilarity is supposed to ensue. But I didn't really understand that scene either. He starts coming on to her even though that she said that she had already previously rejected him so is he the embodiment of like a man who you know thinks now that he's made it he can get whoever he wants but he's also like joking the entire time so i don't really know what his tone was that 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 scene was totally off for me um cole do you have something to say
1: yeah, I, uh, I'm like 99% sure that David Cross is supposed to be Louis C.K. in this film. Because he's like a comedian that then goes Whoa. and makes a pilot, makes yeah. a TV show. He then, at the end of that scene, he talks about how he's going to jerk off. And that you know she's going to walk away. And he was like, oh, I'm going to jerk off. Yeah. And oh, then wow. the director, even in an interview, said that... Louis C.K. was part of her inspiration for this movie, which was set in 2014. And then 2017, three years later, all this shit comes out. So I don't know if she was involved or knew about it or whatever, but it seemed like there was a lot of parallels going on between those two. That well, is From what insane. I heard,
3: pretty much everyone knew, like, in the uh, comedy world, like, a lot of people knew that that was going on. But either way, well, yeah. Fuck, no, fuck, yeah. That's a good, that
0: is just you. Putting that Louis together. That is it. It's,
1: it's a there. moment,
4: though, right? <laughs> like when she calls out uh, Bill Cosby in Thirty Rock. It's like I could have never picked up on that the yeah. first time I watched yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. but I think Cole's totally right. Like the second time I watched it for this, I was like, "Oh!" Yeah. And like that's why things are worth rewatching, right? Is mm-hmm. like for those mm-hmm. moments because it's just mm-hmm. like I was not privy
3: with, but
4: it was like so subversive
0: yeah that's great
3: i wonder if david cross knew like when he was playing the role like yeah i'm playing louis ck here you know like well yeah.
0: he, and he's notorious for calling people out too so you know. yeah. yeah he doesn't give a fuck what other people <laughs> do it
2: you guys are gonna react so loudly but <laughs> i don't know who david cross is
3: Oh. <sighs> Tobias Fuksy, at least, Kelly. Like, we saw arrest, him in Station like, Eleven. He was the actual, like, the professor in Station Eleven. Um, the the yeah, bad guy he was in Arrested Development. Uh, yeah, which I don't, Tobias Fuksy. Ever seen? Nope, nope. Yeah.
0: Oh. He is the bad guy in Elvin and the Chipmunks.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> haven't seen that. Can you believe it? <laughs> well,
1: Definitely. Jenna, wasn't Jenny in that movie? She voice acted, like, did a shit ton of voice yeah, acting. Tell <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, that would have been around the time. But yeah, no, and then if you ever get the chance, the increasingly poor decision of Todd Margaret is like one of my favorite uh, short-run uh, TV shows of all time, and you should definitely watch like all 12 episodes, because it is, it is one of my favorite things of comedy. Uh, anyway, so we've totally gotten derailed, so does anyone have any uh, <laughs> final thoughts on the movie, anything that I didn't discuss? So like I said, I was keeping it as broad as possible. Uh, Cole, you want to give your uh, math and realism to this world or what what do you want to talk about
1: um yeah i want to talk about the most important thing i learned from this film was that hulk hogan's real name is terry oh, no idea yeah. that blew my mind that was uh I re- that was uh, one of my main takeaways or one of my main notes so you know, just oh, Terry. Yeah. You know, terry all <laughs> I I was yeah, like ask. Like i didn't name, know <laughs> ah, who cares about what you think blaze
0: but uh, I think I know his name is Terry. <laughs>
4: Clearly, uh, I'm facing uh, uh, Blaze on this podcast.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> we'll focus the awesome. one that
3: does the uh, the people's elbow, right, Blaze? Oh, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> the atomic leg drop.
0: He Hulk's on. I, I know. I know. Uh,
1: I know. I also another. If we're going down the fun fact uh, rabbit hole with me, yeah, uh, it blew my mind that this movie was filmed in 18 days. That was crazy to me. I had no idea that they did that so fast. Because that was very impressive. A lot of these indie
3: films that are lower budget. Yeah, they like uh, Mm -hmm. what Caitlin was saying. Like it costs a lot of money to film. Um, so they probably don't have a lot of time to film. Uh, some of these films, you know.
1: Yeah, and um, this movie was actually they made a the director and Jenny uh, Slate made a short twenty minute film about this movie, and then it did very well, and then they were able to kind of pull it into the full feature film with A24 which I am very happy that they did cuz I really enjoyed this movie.
4: I mean that's part of the industry, right? It's like filmmakers make these short films that can get picked up. No. Things no. like that, like another
0: I mean you got to start out small, right? Also Yeah, I um...
4: like Ari Aster's like first film was like about a a small family yeah. and that was only I think like 20 30 minutes long before he got funding to make Midsummer.
0: No, actually,
2: Hereditary
0: was his first film. Hereditary was his first oh, film. Oh,
4: that's right. That's
0: oh. right. Oh. Robert yeah, Eggers,
3: also, you know, he started out with Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, uh, and that, now he's making wait, The Witch. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs>
1: I was like, I don't
3: think that's right.
2: I like the thought that his first film would be the sequel to a different film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Then
1: he went on to
3: make The Witch. <laughs>
4: Do you guys know, it's on NPR, it's called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. It's I, the, I know that one. Yeah, so, the guy, Peter Sagal, to be a screenwriter, asked him to do, he did um, Dirty Dancing 2. Mm. Really? It bombed, but he Yeah, I think I, I remember, remember that bombing. Screen- huh. <laughs>
0: Bomb so bad I didn't um, know that movie had a sequel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jenny Jenny Slate was confirmed. Jenny Slate was confirmed in *Alvin and the Chipmunks: uh, Chipped Wrecked*, so David Cross and her did work together
0: in 2011. <laughs> confirmed. Man, we are like four degrees of Kevin Bacon away. <laughs> Anyways, so now that we're coming to the end of this podcast, uh, Caitlin, what we do at the end of the film is we give our final final thoughts, what we felt about the movie, and then we rank it from. A plus 24 being the best movie of all time. F minus 24 being complete dog shit and you would not recommend it to your worst enemy. So, Caitlin, do you want to start us off be- as our honorary guest?
4: That rating is insane. I love <laughs> 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 uh, incredible. Thank you. The first time I saw this movie, I saw it in theaters with two very close friends and we all walked out of the film being like, screaming like wow and like sobbing like you know like making that choice is so hard but then seeing it like depicted in a film was like celebratory but also like kind of like sad like there was like all these like mixed emotions and it was just like easy like it was nice to see a film where i could like finally project myself and like the decision process she made because it's like when we see movies we like to see a little bit of ourselves in it right i think i'm like a little bit biased when it comes to it just because like i had gone through it as like you know i have a bfa uh bachelor's of fine art i have my master's in fine art and so like I totally understand. It's like a similar struggle to stand up, but it's just like, you know, but we also need more women in these spaces. Like, it's just so important to have that choice. And this is just a propaganda podcast because I'm here now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just loved it. And I also didn't think like the one thing we didn't really talk about was the guy she had a one night stand with. Like. Also, we saw his struggle, not completely, but it was like very cool to see that like male representation, Um, because it wasn't totally so off to the side, it was like very in the middle of like, in terms of character development, which I thought was cool. And I'm looking forward to a movie to a man that is going through an abortion with his partner um maybe yeah. A24 will do that but I would love to see a perspective as well I mean my body my choice always but you know just like being there as a supportive person because he's not necessarily a partner so I think like the dynamic of that is great um and I love the ending when they're just kind of like it was never gonna happen
1: yeah. I, think, I think
4: that's like such an incredible reality I think Max is the best yeah. He was awesome. No, he was the best. Like he was a total fucking bro. Yeah. And he was like <laughs> so sweet about it.
1: One of my lines is just is Max not the best? Like compared to the first guy in him, like he he did everything, right? I thought he yeah. was awesome. Listen, I mean, you guys should...
4: though, right? Yeah. It's like
1: hundred percent.
4: Donna was quote unquote weird art bro, mm-hmm. yeah, or weird art girl. And Max was like Big stock market bro.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Finance bro. You know? yeah, white finance frat bro.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, there's definitely like a trope between those like things. It's like, you're like, they're like, I think what works about this movie is that like they're both exotic to each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely.
4: I know I'm dragging on, but I just, um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I think it's really good. Would love to see like a sequel about Max's feelings.
0: That would be great. Be cool You know? What's good? Because I feeling...
4: think, like, more men need to be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, but I think that uh what he was shown in he was very supportive. Um and really respected her just hmm. No, I think he was shown you- the
4: perfect amount of time. I'm just yep. It's like
0: a Different radical socialist. I would like to see that in a movie. <laughs> oh god, this, this podcast is going to get banned. Oh, <laughs> you oh, my what's your grade? <laughs> Final grade.
4: A24! <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
0: <Woo-hoo>! With music! <laughs> we need to have like uh, we need to get one of those uh, confetti cannons for when someone says A24. I think that's very apropos. Uh, Cole, let's go to you next. I really enjoyed this film. I
1: know I've mentioned it before on, like, uh, probably our initials. I, I thoroughly enjoy, like, what I call slice of life, like, TV shows and movies that are not, like, way over the top, and they're very, like, grounded in realism and, and make you, you know, feel what they're going through and, and isn't just, like, crazy, insane, over-the-top bullshit. It's what is reality and how a lot of people's, you know, lives are, and I... I really like this movie. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed every part of it and I thought it did an excellent job covering a very, you know, touchy subject that is obviously still very touchy and heated to this day and even though this movie came out in 2014 and it I mean this subject's been, you know, going on for apparently the 1600s so uh, <laughs> I but man, I love this film. I I would recommend this to everyone I know to Watch it, whether you're pro-choice, pro-life, whatever you are, just to really understand, you know, a different perspective. Plus, at the end, I really, really liked the ending. Like I said, the whole entire time, I had like a just like a almost like a terror or like a feeling of fear that she was just not going to get the abortion and have the child and all that stuff. And I was like, thankfully, you know, they stuck with it and they understood what they were trying to accomplish in this film and they nailed it. And uh, I also loved kind of like the fourth wall breaking at the end where they were talking about, oh, it's just a bunch of rom-coms. <laughs> and that's And like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm watching you right now as a rom-com. <laughs> and then they, they switch over. I thought that was just kind of a funny like uh, bullshit line at the end. But I'm definitely, uh, I'm right there with Caitlin. I think this movie is a top-tier A24 film, and that's, that's the rating I'm going to give. It. I'm going to give it a solid A24. Damn. It was awesome. Wow. Don More DeMarco, confetti. Don DeMarco. Yeah. Pew, pew. We're we're blowing our we're blowing our budget on this
0: one, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a 4.0 average right now. Uh, Eric.
3: <laughs> All right, well, I do really like the way they approach abortion and I like the character of Donna and how they really built up that character to tackle this tough subject. At the same time, I did not find the script that great i felt like there was parts where it was supposed to be making me laugh and i didn't like there was a lot of poop jokes even too much for me and i'm someone who loves poop jokes and then even some of the stand-up i was like this is very 2014 era obama humor you know a little naive uh before our whole world got turned upside down (laughs) either way uh i i do still i think there's not many films about abortion And I, you know, I I think the way they portrayed it was just so touching. So I'm a little conflicted here, which is going to land me in the middle. I think I'm going to give it a C24. All
0: right. All right, Kelly.
2: Okay, so pretty much everything I wanted to touch on has been covered. And uh, (laughs) Eric kind of touched on what I was going to say, too. I I felt like the script was lacking and the poop jokes were... Killing me and Cole when they broke the fourth wall at the end, I was like, "That's the last straw."
1: <laughs> oh, come on! The opposite I was like, "But that's what I needed."
2: Like we have been discussing the subject matter, I'm so glad there's a movie about it. I'm so glad that it mm-hmm. is like a warm hug for a lot of audience. I feel um, and I can appreciate that. That said all the things that I like about it the most are not the things that make it a movie. It's the story. It's the characters. I especially love her best friend character. But it it's all things that I feel like if I read a book, I would get it just, just as much. So the fact that it's a movie, I was thinking like camera work and music and all this kind of stuff. And nothing really stood out to me. There were a few shots that were like, that's visually striking. But that's huge to me is how how does it look and how big and the fact that you said that it was filmed in 18 days makes a lot more sense to me now as well so it just felt like the same thing could have been done in a different medium um, and i would have taken just as much as i did the fact that it's a movie didn't give more to me and so for that and i think that us talking about it put it a little higher on my list so c plus 24 is where we're landing
1: all right Question, what did you give Locke? I know you weren't here, but what was your rating for Locke? I was, here, was here for Lock. lock. I oh, think, you I think enemy. Was,
2: Locke was a B minus, enemy B. You gave Locke a B minus and this a C. I liked Locke. And
1: Locke was Locke was filmed in a car the whole time. Come on. Yeah.
2: Come
4: true. on. If we're arguing about aesthetic, it's like At some point, I think, like, a plain story just needs to be told. And if, like, shots get over told, then it's just like, oh, it's about the cinematic quality. And I just think, like, conceptually, like, it just needed to be, up like, a straight-up story. And I think that's, like, where Cole comes in and he's, like, slice of life. And, like, when we see, like, a slice of life, like, it's not supposed to be surreal by any means. Like, those shots are all, like mostly medium shots which are like not so personable or not so personal but like also not so far away like it's like within grass like conceptually speaking and Mm -hmm. i like if there is like a weird like this is also me being a cinema (laughs) picture where i'm just like constantly talking about like conceptual shots it's just like you know, there's movies, and like we're so used to CGI and like the, the sort of like, oh, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a good concept, but as long as the cinematography is good, then that's okay. But I think that there's like something really magic about just like a straight forward movie. Sometimes
3: you get like... the cinematography of Pulp Art Mole Cop 2. Yeah.
1: You know? Question, <laughs> Caitlin, I what do you think it? about Quentin Tarantino? You don't want to know. So, you, so are you pro or or anti feet? That's really all I'm asking here. This question.
4: I teach him because I think, like in Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, I'm really interested in how he uses a storyline. There's um, not a lot of feet
3: Cole is I a, foot Cole a foot uh, fetish. So. I, d- I
1: don't have a foot fetish. Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish, and it has been a reoccurring topic on this podcast. Cole That's continually I...
3: points out how many feet are in each film. Might oh, not be a fetish, uh...
2: but it is
4: a thing. shame anyone. <laughs> um, I think Quentin Tarantino uses privilege. I think a lot of his movies are really smart, but I'm very hesitant. It's just like he's the ultimate fuckboy to come out of experimental film. And it's just mm-hmm. like, yo, like, you're just making money off simps. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> could,
3: be, is, could be fair.
1: Hi, <laughs>
0: Cole. <call. laughs>
1: yeah. Blaze, we'll, we'll go back to you after this <laughs> Um.
0: Yeah, I kind of like what Kelly said. Uh, I feel like there's not uh, much left to be said on how I felt about it. I think you guys... Everyone said something that I felt about this movie. I did like the story. I did like the way that they handled the twist and then the non-twist. I liked the relationships. I think about uh, Donna's relationships with her friends. And I hope that uh, in any situation in my life, you know, my friends and family are just as supportive to me as they were to her throughout the entire movie. I like to think that... uh um...
2: one person that's not supportive. <laughs>
0: dish the tea <laughs> um I think again uh, as a movie that really lacked themes I do think the central motif is that creative energy comes from our lowest points and that we learn from our mistakes and you know everything doesn't have a fairy tale ending and that's okay um because everything doesn't need a fairy tale ending for everything to be okay I think Caitlin put up a really good point that I don't think her and max end up together I think they end up Maybe in a relationship of like friends, but they don't seem like they're uh built to last, and that is completely okay for me in a rom com. So I look back, this movie came out in 2014 and it really feels like something that should be taking place in 2022 because it really feels like a pantheon of uh you know women writers, women comics, uh, women's point of view, and it really helped me get to understand the difficult process that is abortion, um, wrapped up in other trials and tribulations in someone's life so Yo, i think
4: can ch- still like fuck and not talk to them ever again.
0: that's true too that is absolutely i'm just i'm talking about the movie though i can only be, get based off the movie the soundtrack was lacking i really did like that drumbeat and obvious child little on the nose uh by paul simon um i actually had to <laughs> look that up and uh, i will listen to it again i really like that song And then, yeah, the the camera work was kind of drab, but I also think that it was intentionally that way. It wasn't a lot of interesting angles, and it was really just everything came through the dialogue, whether it was improv or scripted. So I'm going to give it the uh, David Cross half a a letter grade bump. So it was going to be a C-plus like Kelly, but I'm going to end up giving it a B, solid B24. Um, I really like it. I would really uh, recommend it to anyone throughout their... uh, whatever their belief is because i think it really humanitizes uh what the simple process is
4: oh, so my brother now
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's gonna wrap up this week's episode i would like to thank caitlin for um everything that she did i'm so glad you came on we had a little discord problem at the beginning uh eric do you know what next week is uh i think the rover um with yes! uh, with Robert yes! Pattinson. I fucking love yeah. this movie.
3: I'm pumped. My ultimate man crush Robert Pattinson. Mm, I, I might not be able to make it through the film. Um <laughs> What? <laughs> God, I, I love this film.
1: Am I, am I hosting this one? Can I host it? Am I hosting? I want to host it. We should let me host it.
3: Uh, you I might think be. You are. Yeah, you are hosting it.
2: I think it just oh, ends up that yeah. way. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, God loves me. He chose me.
1: <laughs> you were chosen.
4: Your mom chose you.